Hey y'all, I'm your host Jana, and welcome to Advance Your Belly Dance, a weekly podcast all about business for belly dancers. This week, we have another special interview with Yame from originally Brazil, but now in New Jersey. Hi, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself real quick and tell us what you're going to be talking about this week? Sure. So I am a belly dance instructor, I'm a performer, and a choreographer. I own Sharky Dance, which is a business that, well, I teach belly dance classes, but really... Uh, the, the classes that I teach are kind of a, a tool, not just for learning belly dance as an art form, but also to empower women to find their inner joy, their confidence and self-love, and to build a supportive community through that practice and study of belly dance. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about uh, ways that we, that we as belly dance teachers can empower our students, specifically yeah, with a, a target of that female empowerment. So how, how to empower women through belly dance is going to be the topic. Awesome. And um, do you want to go into your own personal experience or need that kind of sparked this incorporation of it in your own classes and why you think it's so important? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I came from a culture that is particularly uh, tough on women in terms of the, the very strict and impossible standards to achieve. Uh, you know, I'm originally from Brazil and Brazilian culture is really uh, places a lot of value on, uh, on female beauty. Um, you have to be really curvy but at the same time you also have to have like no body fat <laughs> so it's like you have to have like a big butt and big boobs and thick thighs but god forbid you have a little bit of belly fat and and growing up in a culture like that you really internalize these standards and in any culture really um, we internalize these impossible beauty standards and they're different depending on which culture you're from so uh, it was when I started belly dancing that I I started to see that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes so right away when I started da- dancing um, I, I shifted uh, my perspective uh, in regards to like this ideal female body type um, because I was seeing women of all ages, ethnicities, and body types moving in such a beautiful way, um, in this graceful, fluid, powerful way that, that belly dance has us moving. So I saw this beautiful essence that exists in all women, regardless of whether or not they fit into their culture's uh, you know, conventional standards of beauty. And, you know, of course, beauty is not even, you know, the thing that matters the most right anyway but but it just it just shifted my 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 perception of beauty to to really encompass all all different looks and it took me longer um to to actually start to apply that perspective towards myself like I I learned to apply towards other women right away but to myself it took longer and it's a work in progress for me I think it's a work in progress for any woman um but belly dance has been the biggest tool to help me to, to shed those internalized beliefs about myself that I'm not beautiful enough or that my self-worth should be based on how I look. And then fast forward to when I started teaching, I started to notice that those beliefs affect my students in the forum in, in so many ways. You know, I saw it in, in the resistance and kind of shame around taking a belly dance to begin with. Like it really takes a lot of courage for a student to show up to their first class because they have all these ideas of like, oh, I don't look like a belly dancer or whatever it is. And once they're in class, it takes form uh, of like 
um, body shaming comments about themselves. So like every few classes, there's always somebody that will say something like, oh, about their, you know, belly fat or that the, their boobs aren't big enough or their butt isn't big enough or they're, you know, they're, they're too fat or whatever. There's just always a, a comment that people will make about themselves because there's the shame that they have and it's, it's a way for them to like release it, to relieve it by, by just saying that out loud in the middle of class. So I started to notice that. Um, the way that students would compare themselves to others or, you know, say or show that they don't feel that they're pretty enough to belly dance or that they don't feel like they're good enough at, at the dance. So I just started to notice all these, these kinds of, um, these obstacles, um, these internalized beliefs that people had. Um, and seeing how widespread this mindset is among all women. I mean, I don't think I've met a single woman that's never had issues around body image. And I started to notice how toxic these views are and how much they actually prevent us from progressing in our dance and, and, and prevent us from living our lives to the fullest. Mm -hmm. So, um, I knew that I had to create and foster a body positive environment in my own classes. Uh, and it had to come from the ground up. It's not just going to happen by itself because also, you know, belly dance is not necessarily by default body positive. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you work at, if you're gigging at clubs, you're at the mercy of the tastes of the general public. And, you know, I've seen a lot of my colleagues and friends fall prey to these standards of, beauty, um, even within the professional belly dance world and have, you know, these body image issues exacerbated by, by that world. So it, I'm not saying by any means that, um, it's all unicorns and rainbows in the belly dance world. So we, it's up, it was, I saw that it was up to me to foster a community that is how I want the world to be in terms of how we treat women and how, um, and, and, and how we view ourselves as women. So, um, so I started to, to really consciously build my classes around my body positive philosophies that are always, you know, evolving. And I, when I started doing that, I, I got such an overwhelmingly positive feedback from my students and I have seen, you know, just amazing monumentally positive shifts in their, in their confidence and it carries over to all aspects of their lives. So it's really, to me, that's the biggest that's the most important work that I can do is to, to help people uh, find their confidence, uh, shift their mindset towards their, their body and their appearance, um, and, and in a way that helps them carry it through all of their lives. I think that's so important, especially as teachers, because, you know, we were all obviously students once. <laughs> we still are. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, when you look back on, like, the types of comments that you heard, even when you were a student, it's it's kind of heartbreaking sometimes, you know, and then to be able to be different for your own students, mm. at least you feel like you're making some progress. Like I always say, um, I mean, the whole reason even of this podcast and you literally have everything is information that I wish I had 13 years ago when I first started dancing. Mm. And with that, even when I teach my workshops, no matter what the topic is, even if it's just folklore, <laughs> um, where you're covered in fabric and no one would even see what body you would have. Um, I always try to make a point to my students to to learn to be grateful for their their body and and strive towards health in all aspects and um, to to be more accepting of themselves and their bodies um, because I I think it's a shame that um, 
that's not talked about as often. I mean, I think nowadays it is with, with the way the world is evolving, but um, I think it could yeah. obviously be talked about more. <laughs> and, yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. It's, 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 uh, I, I think the world is kind of is ready, you know, to, to mm-hmm. see that, to look at that. And we're seeing more and more of this message is, is starting to, to uh, become more common, which is an, a wonderful thing. I mean, we still have a long, long way to go, mm-hmm. but the fact that this is, this is even uh, these messages, these like philosophies are, they're, they're getting out there in the mainstream too. They're not, you know, this isn't just happening in the belly dance world mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a wonderful thing. And, um, yeah, it is that 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 kind of the idea of trying to create the things that we wish, you know, were there uh, for us when we started 13 years ago. You know, if we see something that's missing to to be able to to bring that forth and, and create that ourselves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's for sure what, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. And um, I actually, you know, <laughs> in the middle of talking about this, I wanted to actually thank you for having me and for the work that you do as well, because your podcast absolutely addresses so many important aspects of the business of belly dance and belly dance in general. And there's so much uh, helpful information out there uh, that you're offering. So thank you so much for bringing that forth. And, and I'm so honored to be able to contribute. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm happy that people like it. <laughs> as long as people keep listening. Um, I actually just checked on side note. Thank you guys um, that are actually listening. Um, there have, according to my SoundCloud statistics, um, there is officially over 20,000 all-time listens. Wow. So I'm very, thank you guys for, um, for listening. (laughs) And that's just the statistics that I have from the SoundCloud, um, app that doesn't include, um, iTunes and, um, Spotify, which is new on there. So thank you guys. So talking about this, uh, bringing it to the classroom or classroom dance studio, (laughs) You have uh, 12 ways that you can empower women through belly dance. Do you Mm want to go ahead and tell us what those ways are? Yeah, sure. So uh, the first and and most important way, you know, the most important thing to to kind of start this off with is, is knowing that it all starts with us as the teachers. So um, and I'm going to kind of spend a lot of time on this, this point uh, in particular, because it absolutely is the most important point, because if we, if the work that we do doesn't come from a genuine place, if we are not doing the work ourselves and we don't actually believe in it, then it's not going to stick. You know, it, people can sense whether you're authentic or not, whether they sense it consciously or subconsciously, people know so we have to make sure that this work is coming from a genuine place. So we have to shift our own mindset first and foremost before, you know, if we're if we want to talk about empowering other women, we have to observe how we view and talk about other women. So are we judging other women based on how they look? If we're judging other women based on how they look, we really have to to look at that and, and why are we doing this? How is this maybe a reflection of our own judgments about about ourselves? And what are the issues and the traumas that we internalized? Um, so we have to work through those first and foremost. This is very, very important. And there's that question about uh, observe. Are we gossiping about other women? Are we are we trash talking other women? Do we have issues around jealousy and competitiveness? 
jealousy is normal. Like it's a normal human emotion we're, we're, we feel anger, we feel grief, we feel fear, we feel jealousy. These feelings are not things that we're supposed to be ashamed of for feeling. And they're not things that we're supposed to bury away, but it's not something we should be acting on. So it's, you know, how do we deal with jealousy? Like when I feel, uh, am I jealous of a, say another dancer? Like, let me dig through that feeling, figure out what do I need that I'm not giving myself? What, I, what do I fear that I'm not going to get? And then we figure out how we can fulfill those needs and overcome those fears in a healthy way instead of allowing that, that jealousy to cloud the way that we view others, the way that, you know, other women or, you know, colleagues or our competition, you know, or the community or whatever it is. Um, and so that we're not projecting our own issues into other people in, in a way that, that harms people and that ultimately harms us as well. Because you can't preach feminine empowerment like while at the same time you're talking crap about other women, you mm -hmm. know. So it's very, very important to address that. Um, on a related note, you know, we have to ask ourselves, are we fearful that our students might surpass us? I, I find that this is something that, you know, not all, not, not everybody wants to face, but it, it does happen, you know, amongst teachers where there's this fear that your student is going to uh, surpass you and become your competition. And we can't teach from this, this position. We can't teach from a place of fear and, and lack, mm -hmm. uh, because then you're, you're going to be limiting what you're teaching to your students. You're not going to be giving your students all of yourself. Um, you're not going to feel pride in their accomplishments. You're going to be feel fear and, and they're going to sense that. So that's really, really important to address if there's any, if that exists at all. And it's, if it does, you know, it's, it's not something to bury away and be ashamed of because it's, it, it can be a normal feeling. Um, but it's something that can be addressed in a healthy way so that we're not projecting that into our students. And again, it's still in the same topic of everything starting with us as the teachers. We have to be very sincere in this work to build a foundation to, to, to practice this with. So because your students will see it. If, if we're holding negativity towards colleagues, towards our competition, towards our students, towards other women in general, we're gonna people are gonna sense that the people that are not don't vibe with that are gonna leave and the people who do vibe with that who are not the people that you want to attract are the people that you're going to attract so when we do this when we have these attitudes sometimes they're even subconscious we're not even intending to act this way or to feel this way that is it ends up being what we attract. So if if we don't address these issues, we're going to be attracting people that are toxic and we don't want to attract that. So those are the most important things to address first. Then, you know, there's also things like supporting female-owned businesses, you know, whether it's within the community and, and outside the community. It doesn't mean that we don't support men. You know, of course, we, we support men as well, but but to be aware of what are the unique uh, struggles and challenges that we face as women and, and support women that are facing the same struggles and challenges is important to, to have that type of mindset and to build that habit within and outside of the belly dance industry. Mm -hmm. And crediting mentors is important. You know, we want to, when our students do come to the point where they're eventually maybe teaching, 
we would like for them to 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 honor us and to credit us as as one of their teachers. So we want to credit the the people that have helped to to build us up as well. About you know competition, you know ha- handling conflict and and competition in healthy ways. Um, to as much as possible handle conflicts privately and professionally and try to be diplomatic. I know that there's, you know, some uh, nowadays, you know, there's a lot of uh, like calling people out on, mm-hmm. on, on things. And I, I'm a little bit uncomfortable with the, with, with that type of, of attitude just because, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I, I don't want to be judged by my worst mistakes. So I try not to judge other people for their worst mistakes. And when somebody makes a mistake, you want them to have the chance to realize that they made a mistake and mm-hmm. to, to, to make changes. And when we're just calling people out and, you know, judging people, it, there's no room for that to happen. It just ends up alienating people and putting people in different camps. And personally, I don't think that that achieves anything that's that's constructive mm-hmm. but it's like you know figuring out the balance between what you know when is it necessary to to call somebody out because sometimes maybe it's necessary to protect other people you know if somebody's like sexually harassing their students or mm-hmm. if somebody is like a scam and they're just taking your money and not delivering a product you know there could be valid reasons why you you have to voice something publicly so i'm not saying and you can never do that. Uh, but it's like really checking in with yourself before you speak out. Um, are we trying to protect other people from a scam or from abuse? Or are we just trying to get revenge and, mm-hmm. and destroy somebody? You know, so like we have to know that we have to find that within ourselves and then and then determine it from there. You know, what it, what, it, what am I trying to accomplish? And knowing that you know, it's, it's not going to, trying to take somebody down is not going to help you rise. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that, um, the rising tide, you know, rises all ships, (laughs) messing that quote up, but it's something like that. So you don't want to, if you, when you take somebody down, you're kind of lowering the standards for everybody, you know, generally speaking. Mm So, I mean, at least that's my, my general attitude on that. No, I agree. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of, like, this cancel culture that's popped up mm-hmm. due to, like, social media over the last few years. I mean, obviously, in some ways, yeah, I definitely cancel all the harassers and the rapists, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes it is taken too far, and I think sometimes, um, or without without context, maybe, and... I definitely, like you said, I wouldn't, I don't want to be judged by my worst mistake. People make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe to counteract that instead of just trying to cancel someone or to, to just speak out and kind of just complain, maybe offer a solution as well. So if you see something that is wrong to offer an alternative, so that way it's not just speaking out and then you don't a hundred percent yeah and it goes back to that like just check you know we we have to be able to check in with our intentions like and just be a hundred percent raw and honest with ourselves because the impulse the impulse to like get revenge and to take somebody Mm -hmm. down that exists with every human being Mm -hmm. and like there's nobody in this world that's above that Mm -hmm. and it's being able to recognize that in yourself and and not judge it but then be like okay well do i want to act on that 
or do I want to, what's a more constructive way that I can actually improve this issue that I'm seeing? So it's like, and it doesn't mean that like, you don't have to be like kumbaya with everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. because there are people out there that are bad people. There are people out there that, that want to hurt people or take advantage of people. So it's important to be discerning but you can be discerning without necessarily tearing other people down. And it's like that fine line, you know, sometimes, yes, maybe you have to speak out because you will prevent people from being abused or from being falling, you know, uh, scam, falling to a uh, prey to a scam. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that fine line, but the bottom line is once we find that, like what's our intention and, and we see like, do, am I just getting pleasure out of seeing somebody out of getting revenge on someone or seeing somebody taken down. And if that's what we're finding, then that's, you know, maybe we shouldn't act on that. We should, we should focus instead on what we can do to improve, you know, the the issue. Um, So when, when I actually see something that really bothers me, you know, a dancer is doing something that I don't like that bothers me for whatever reason, you know, I'm not going to call them out on it. I'm not going to criticize them for it. Uh, what I tend to do is, you know, my, my attitude is that I can't control what that dancer does. I can't control other, what other people do. I can't change other people. I can only change myself. So mm-hmm. if there's a behavior that I see that's upsetting me, you know, if somebody's not ethical, you know, it inspires me actually to work even harder on being more ethical. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody is doing something, you know, maybe I don't like somebody's attitudes towards you know body image maybe somebody's like you know it teaches in such a way that is exclusive excludes people that don't look a certain way you know mm-hmm. maybe excludes people that are that are overweight you know I tend I wouldn't call that person out personally I would you know work even harder on making sure that I'm building a body mm-hmm. positive envi- environment for my students I would work even harder to teach my students that they're first of all their looks don't define them their their worth isn't based on on how they look but also that they are beautiful regardless of what the society says because I see it in them so trying to to get them to see what I see in them so that's personally how I would react to something like that and yeah so and we're not going to be perfect you know we're never perfect it's not about being perfect it's about just always being able to check in with ourselves and our intentions and then just figuring out how how we can be better and how 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 can we empower other people to be better how can we come from a genuine place um so that's i you know to me at least that's that's the bottom line mm-hmm. so that's i mean that's all just you know within the first point of like really digging into yourself and making sure that you're doing the work. And then there's a bunch of other things, you know, I, I listed 12 items uh, to help empower our students. So the second one is to see the highest potential in every single student. You know, when we look at our students and all we can see is where they're at right now, it's, it's kind of limiting. You know, we need to be able to see where like imagine them where they're going to be in a few years once they've been doing this for a long time, wanting to see them get there, feeling pride for their, for their accomplishments, acknowledging their progress in class. Cause a lot of times students don't see their own progress as a teacher. You need to be able to see that you need to see where they are, where they are, see their potential. And then actually like remind them, like, do you remember 
where you were at with this move or with this combination or this choreography or whatever when we first started it? Do you see how far you've come? So being able to see that in them and, and reminding them and, and trying to get them to help them see that in themselves is very, very important. Then we have um, getting comfortable with certain taboo topics of, of womanhood, because if we want to empower women, we need to be comfortable with womanhood. And there's a lot of topics around womanhood that are really, really taboo, just, you know, because that's what our society has decided, you know, that, that you know, things like periods or the actual realities of pregnancy and childbirth and being a mother, you know, all those things are taboo. Like you're supposed to hide your period. You're supposed to never talk about your period. Your pregnancy, like you're not supposed to talk about the ugly parts of, of being pregnant. You're just supposed to glorify it and just like push through and just pretend like there's like it's all just happy, you know, joy. And, and birth, I mean, we don't talk about, you know, everything that, that women go through um, to give birth. Motherhood gets glorified. It's like you have to be the perfect mother or you can't talk about the difficulties of it. So there's a lot of taboos around womanhood um, and we just kind of accept them. And, and I think we can build, you know, the classes around being kind of a safe space for women to be able to talk about these things that we don't normally talk about in society at large, because we have all this in common, we have all this we can bond over and we don't, it's, it, you know, we don't have to waste that, that opportunity to, to, to share the experience. Sometimes we don't realize we think we're the only ones that are going through something. And in reality, a lot of other women have gone through it. So I think the less shame that we're playing, placing a, a, upon uh, women's bodies and, and bodily functions and the more we can fully accept ourselves and embrace all aspects of womanhood and of our bodies, including these difficult ones, is, you know, the, the, the better off we're going to be, the more mm -hmm. empowered we're going to be. That's when we start to realize how strong and resilient we are and how much we support we really have in this experience that we share with each other. I like to actually talk about this point to like men in non dance situations. <laughs> like if I'm in the grocery store or whatever and picking up like tampons or something and then my boyfriend would be like, oh, do you want you want to like put that like he, he'd think I would be embarrassed, not even for him. But it's like mm -hmm. you do realize like half the world is in the same boat. <laughs> I don't right. care. And it's, it's but isn't that crazy, though, how much we like and it's like we, we pretend like it doesn't exist. We have to act yeah. like it doesn't exist. And that's something. Yeah, I do think it, it, it's got to shift, you know, mm -hmm. in society at large. Yeah. Um, but it starts with us shifting it in our, you know, more female dominated environments because mm -hmm. that's where our power is, that's where we have the most power you know why, why are we ashamed of talking about our bodies yeah. when it's all us or mostly us so um so yeah it's uh, definitely really really important topic and then you know on the same topic you know it brings us to the fourth way to empower women through belly dance which is to to really fall in love with i call it like the magic of womanhood um and and even like to talk about these 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 functions and these abilities in in superhuman terms you know because it's i mean it's like we don't talk about this enough but like our periods literally 
can sync with the cycles of the moon. Like most women are not even aware of that, but that's a thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and we can sync our periods. If we spend women, a group of women spends a lot of time together, their periods will sync with each other. I mean, how crazy is that? Like that, <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> and we don't talk about it. Um, and, and we don't talk about how, how amazing it is that our bodies are capable of, of growing and, and birthing life, you know, we just kind of take that for granted, you know, mm-hmm. and granted, you know, of course, not every woman is going to make that choice and not every woman is able to. And, and when we talk about these topics, we have to be sensitive to, you know, to those differences, but, but still, you know, that's, it's something we should, we should talk about. We should appreciate, you know, whether it's coming from us or from other women, just th- that general, generally speaking, that, that female ability to birth all of humanity that's incredible that's mm-hmm. that's coming from us like we don't give that enough reverence it's something that in in classes we we have a space you know to not that the class should all be about that we're still t- teaching belly dance but it's a space where those topics can be approached in in subtle ways and also you know like our ability you know for how many decades have we now been juggling a career and and, and being paid less than men um, and family life and raising kids for a lot of women uh, in such a way that, I mean, we're, women are doing this so masterfully. So many of our students are doing this so masterfully, like raising kids as single mothers. Like that is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Raising a child is something that it, it, it takes a village, you know, and there's women out there that are doing it on their own. It's something that we really have to, we, it's, it's it's good it's a good way to empower women to acknowledge that in the women in our students that we see that are going through that that are doing that that are accomplishing that to recognize that in them so very very important to do that um, and to talk about you know our own experiences so this that's this is the fifth way you know to empower women is to to actually relay our own experiences as 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 their teacher our experience as a woman. Because what we've experienced as women is probably very similar to what our students have experienced as women. So we don't have to turn it into therapy, but it's 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 always good to share what we've been through, the lessons we've learned, um, because our students sometimes look to us as role models, and we can we can show them that we're not taking for granted the things that our bodies have enabled us to do or the struggles that we've been through as women and, and how we've learned from them. I think that in sharing our own experiences, uh, we can empower, empower our students as well. I think um, in addition to that, I think it's, yeah, like, like you mentioned, it doesn't have to be a therapy session, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I think a little vulnerability goes a long way, especially Absolutely. when you're a role model, like you said to your students, um, you might not even notice this as a teacher, but even think back when you were a student, you put your teacher on like this pedestal in a way. Mm-hmm. And um, that whatever they had said about themselves or about other people affected you a lot. So being a teacher, you have to remember that it's you're you're probably that same type of role model to your students. Exactly. A hundred percent. And like, and we've all, you know, most of us have o- overcome issues. You know, if we're in, if we're belly dancing professionally, a lot of us have overcome issues or are working on overcoming issues around body image and self-confidence. And, you know, I personally, you know, overcame a lot of issues around that and around even shyness, stage fright and things like that. And I, and I, and I 
try to tell my students that so that they know, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't always able to, to, to perform, you know, and to feel comfortable performing in front of an audience, for example. I wasn't always comfortable with my body. You know, these mm-hmm. were things that I've worked through and I continue to work through. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, experience, personal experiences too, you know, for uh, belly dance teachers that maybe have worked in the corporate world, you know, they can, if you have young, younger students that are just getting into that, getting into corp- the corporate world to be able to like kind of just you know it's again it's not like you're not giving career advice but like just relaying your own experiences maybe rising through the corporate ladder give them some inspiration you know or if you're a mother um to talk about you know the both sides of you know the pains and the joys of of giving birth and and the realities and sacrifices of motherhood and the joys of motherhood um, you can talk to your students about that, you know, your students who are mothers or who are planning on becoming mothers or becoming mothers. It's important to be mindful, not to alienate people that, that don't want to have children or that are unable to have children, because that's always, you know, there's always women that don't want to have children or that can't have children. And, and it can be a very touchy subject for them. So when talking about motherhood, never to have this kind of attitude of like, you know, motherhood is the end all be all of, of being a woman, you know, so um, that's very important as well. Uh, sixth way to, uh, to empower women through belly dance is to talk about your own journey in dance. So as teachers, we can talk about our own difficulties, our own shortcomings, and to remind our students, we also started exactly where they are, because all, all they can see right now are the current abilities that their teacher has. They, they can't, they have no perspective on how much time it took, how much work it took for us to get where we are today. So we have to give them that perspective so that they can be inspired, so that they know that, you know, the first time, you know, the first time that I tried belly dancing, I couldn't do all those moves, you know, but people can, my students can see what I can do today. And sometimes they can get intimidated by that. Sometimes they're even, comparing themselves to that and, and so it's important to to take the time and and remind them not to compare um, themselves to us and to remind them that we started exactly where they started as well yeah so that's very 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 important and then also on a related note the the, sec- the seventh uh, point is to remind them to not only not compare themselves to us their teacher, but also not to compare themselves to their classmates or to anybody else, because it's very natural to have a tendency to compare. Um, So everybody kind of does it, you know, whether we like it or not, whether we try, whether we intend to compare ourselves with other people or not, it's, it's just a human tendency to, to look around and, and, and to judge ourselves, um, sometimes even to judge other people. So it's important uh, not to compare ourselves to others, either in a positive or a negative light. It's important to remind our students and also as teachers for us not to do this either, um, you know, to this tendency of looking at other people and then thinking, you know, oh, they're so much better than me. I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy or those types of feelings that come up or to think, well, I'm so much better than them. You know, either way, it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not healthy, you know, and, and I, 
I say to kind of um, one good way to, to kind of try to get rid of these types of mindsets is to think about when you go to a forest, you know, you don't go to a forest and look around at all the trees and judge one tree. Oh my God, this tree is way too short and that tree is way too tall and that tree is way too thin and that tree is way too thick. You don't think like, oh, all these trees should grow at the same rate and they should be the same size and they should look the same. Like you go to a forest and you appreciate the variety that you see. So we have to kind of think of our classrooms as a forest. You know, we have to find a way to get that idea across to our students that their journey and, the, and how fast they're picking things up, that's not something to be judged. That's not something to be compared. It's something to be appreciated. I like that. And I, um, I also like to tell my students that, like, you have to be really honest with yourself when it comes to this. Like, everyone goes through periods where you, their self-confidence is low. They're not really digging themselves. They might have been comparing themselves more often. And it really takes a lot of self-introspection to be like, okay, well, if I am doing this, what can I do to avoid it? So it's like, unfollow who you need to unfollow on social media or take a social media break if that's what it takes or you know like it just all depends on you and I even had one student who had asked me if I recommend that she watches videos of other dancers to help her dancing and the first thing was that I asked her is well it depends on you are you someone that's going to end up learning from it or comparing yourself to it that's a really great response actually yeah because even you know I tend to say like yeah like watch as many dancers as possible you know learn from as many dancers as possible well that's something that's really important to to consider because if you're watching other dancers and it's making you feel bad that's not going to help you yeah that's not going to help you in any way and and I compare it to to like it's like you're climbing a mountain with like carrying this giant rock on your back you know the giant rock is like your your shame and your in your fears and your guilt and you're comparing yourself to others anything that makes you feel bad about yourself is not going to help you climb the mountain mm-hmm. you're cli- you have to climb the mountain either way if you're going through this process of learning dance you're climbing a mountain so do you want to climb a mountain while carrying a giant rock you know like a 100 pound rock on your back is just going to make it harder for you to climb it's going to take you longer to get there or do you want to drop the weight and just climb the mountain you know you still it's still gonna be a struggle you're still gonna have to overcome obstacles but at least you're not carrying that those those toxic thoughts you know about yourself and if mm-hmm. and if watching or following another dancer you know be very very pay be very mindful of how you feel you know when you're watching a dancer or when you're taking a class you know Pay attention to how that feels. If it's something that's making you feel bad about yourself, personally, I don't think that, that, that that's very helpful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very important to, to drop that tendency to compare. Now, if it makes you feel inspired, you know, if it gives you a direction of, like, it shows you kind of where you want to be in a way where you're not feeling bad about yourself, then, yes, it's, it's, it's a very constructive and it's, it's a great way to, to be inspired and to, and to progress. So, yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. And just any, if anyone's listening and is like, oh, but I am someone that compares myself, does that mean I can't watch dance ever? No, that's not what we're saying. It's just about being more aware of your own personal um, triggers, let's say, or things that like would make you want to compare yourself. It's, it doesn't mean that you can never follow other dancers on social media or watch their videos. It's just um, you yeah. don't have to put yourself through that if if you're not in that mindset right now if that makes any sense so it's the same thing as like following like 
say on Instagram, all these um, influencers that are always on vacation, let's say, and you're just like having to work and you're, you know, if you're in a mindset of you're not being able to appreciate that, you don't have to put yourself in that position where you would make yourself feel bad about it. You know, so of course, ideally, we would all be above that and we would all always be happy for other people in that sense. But we're also human beings and it, like so many factors come into play here. So just you don't have to torture yourself for no reason is what I'm saying. Yeah, 100 percent. And it, I mean, and that goes to kind of one of my other points. One of the other ways to empower your your students is to remind them to to appreciate where they're in their journey today because this tendency you know the, the 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 tendency to compare a lot of times the what what what's really unhealthy about that is that it actually takes us away from where we are today from being in the present moment and enjoying the process and enjoying where we're at and focusing our attention elsewhere and when we're focusing elsewhere when we're focusing on what somebody else is doing or we're focusing on how much how this person dances the way that we should dance or we want to dance and we're not there yet we don't enjoy the process we don't enjoy the present and we actually miss a lot of opportunities because the all the opportunities that we have are in the present moment all the progress that we can make is going to be made by working within the present moment. So to remind our students, you know, as much as possible to appreciate where they're at in their journey right now and not just be rushing to get to another, you know, to get to the next step or to get to their goals or to dance like so-and-so, that's really important because, you know, there's always, it doesn't matter where you're starting from, wherever you're at right now is exactly where you you're meant to be it's and it's and that's where that's where the beauty is of this work is to be able to um of course we need to we need to know like where we want to go we we, it's good to have goals right but the goal is only good as far as setting a direction for where we want to go and figuring out kind of like the steps to get there but if we instead of enjoying each step of the way if we're just looking at the end result and just and and just feeling bad because we're not there yet we're not going to enjoy the present moment we're not going to enjoy our practice and we're not going to practice as much because it's not as enjoyable and we're actually it's we're keeping ourselves from getting there so and and we never know whether or not we're ever going to get to that end result we never we never actually reach our goals because once we reach a goal we set another goal you know so we never actually get to the end it's not about the end it's not about the destination it's it's about the journey and enjoying the the present moment that's really important you know and and it goes back to you know comparing yourself to other people or just it's kind of the same the same general attitude, whether you're comparing yourself to what you're seeing in somebody else and you want that to be your end result or you just have this end result in mind for yourself and you're not enjoying the moment. That's something that that disempowers you. Mm-hmm. For sure, I agree. And from there, you know, it's like uh, for the ninth way to empower your students is to to kind of show them how tie in the dance lessons to to life lessons a little bit so because when we're teaching belly dance it's not we're not just teaching belly dance we're also teaching students how to be patient how to overcome their obstacles how to grow 
So when you help your students make the connection between dance and life, your belly dance classes will help them live lives, their lives in a, in a more empowered way. So I think now we're up to the 10th way to uh, empower women through belly dance. Mm-hmm. And that's to be aware of what's going on in your students' lives and to celebrate their achievements. So, you know, for women specifically, you know, big achievements that we generally celebrate, you know, getting engaged, getting married, getting pregnant, um, having a baby, you know, those are great things to celebrate. So you should definitely celebrate those, but also celebrate things like career promotions, you know, major career changes, starting a business buying a house, graduating, and all those things we tend to not celebrate quite as much for women, Um, or even like ending toxic relationships. You know, a lot of times when somebody goes through a breakup, it's like, everybody's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, when somebody breaks up, especially if a student broke up with, you know, with a a boyfriend, or, you know, with a partner, when they're telling me this, like, I I usually celebrate it because if they ended the relationship, it's because it was not good for them. So it's something mm-hmm. to be celebrated. So celebrate those things that everybody tends to celebrate and then celebrate the, the achievements that are not quite as celebrated. So um, if a student is mentioning it, you know, and they're okay with it being mentioned in class, like, you know, just mention it in front of the class. Depends, of course, you know, how, how big your class is, how close everybody is. But it's, it's, it's um, you know, generally speaking, it's a good thing to, to be able to to um, to honor their achievements and, and to celebrate with them, it's a really really great way to empower your students. And then I have you know two really really important ones for me personally that have really shifted just the way that I teach my classes and shifted the energy in my classes and really really been able to help empower my students. Uh, one of them is to add positive affirmations to the class. So affirmations or mantras, um, something could be around self-love or body positivity or whatever it is that you feel your students need the most. So if you really know, you get to know your students well, get to know what's going on in their lives, get to know what they struggle with, get to know what they need and kind of what they might be seeking from the belly dance class in addition to just learning how to belly dance. Because of course, you know, the, the, conscious reason we all seek out belly dance is because we want to learn how to dance a certain way or because we love the culture and the music or you know we want you know a fun way to exercise or whatever it is those are the conscious reasons we we seek belly dance but i I believe we everybody that's seeking out belly dance also has the subconscious reasons for seeking it out which involve you know very much you know the that transformation of our of femininity, right? Like seeking out those feminine aspects of ourselves. Maybe there's something to heal there. I personally find that people that are seeking out belly dance, there's usually something around that topic that they're seeking out. So if you're kind of a little bit in tune with that, you can set up certain affirmations that will give your students what it is that they need, you know? So it totally depends on who your students are and what they need and you can Mm -hmm. so you can come up with your own messaging you know it's a mantra or affirmation it's just something that you will you would it's a simple phrase that you can repeat a few times um, and you can either come up with your own or you can use you know something from a book or maybe like a, a card deck or something with affirmations 
to help you craft your message. You can do a, a message that stays the same throughout a class or you can change it up. It totally depends on what you want to achieve. But personally, this is something that I've added to all of my classes. The the one that I use, there's one I use in uh, all of my intermediate classes, which is to, to help build up um, self-love and self-forgiveness, which is so, so important. And I actually took this one from um, a Brazilian dancer's online class that I take, and her name is Ju Marconato. So, and I translated it from Portuguese, uh, but it's, uh, I love myself, I forgive myself, I accept myself, I free myself. So I do this in all of my intermediate classes at the end of every class. Um, and I find that I don't get sick of this messaging. It's something that it's, it's, so, it's so great to be able to hear from ourselves to ourselves every single week. So I find that very helpful. So that's, that was the 11th uh, way to empower women through belly dance. And for the 12th way is to add some kind of aspect of gratitude to classes. So um, especially helping your students find gratitude for themselves, for their own bodies, for what they can do, for, for themselves for showing up. And expressing, of course, gratitude to your students for being there, too. So I always end my classes with we give ourselves, like, a, a hug. Not We don't hug each other, especially with, like, this coronavirus thing going on. Um, mm -hmm. They're not super touchy like that, but, like, to hug yourself. So give yourself a self-hug at the end of class. And um, and to thank your own body for for what it can do right now, for everything that it's done for for you up until this point. So giving that to your students, asking them to take the time to thank their bodies, to recognize what their bodies have done for them, what their bodies keep doing to show gratitude for their health. You know, we take for granted that we can walk, you know, we, can, we take for granted that we can dance and that we can do these things pain-free until we get injured or until we get sick. And then we start appreciating how great it was to be pain-free and to be healthy and to be able to dance. Mm -hmm. We never know when something could happen. Um, so, um, and regardless of that, you know, it's just important to, to just be able to recognize how amazing it is to be able to dance to regardless of forget, you know, our, the, the goals and, and how much we want to improve and all that. Cause we, we spend so much time demanding our bodies do something that maybe they, we can't quite do yet. We spend so much time being frustrated because we're not there yet, being frustrated because this move is too hard, you know, um, because of how long it's taking. And how much time do we actually spend just being grateful for what we can already do, for how far we've come, for, you know, to, to thank our feet for literally, you know, carrying us through our whole lives, for supporting our entire body, our whole entire lives so far. That's just one example, but um, to actually take the time and show love and gratitude to, towards our own body is a great way to end a class. It's how I end all of my classes and uh, trying to, it's a good way to, to, to help students leave a class feeling better than they, came, than they came in. That's always my goal with every class is I want my students to leave feeling better about themselves, feeling better about their day. Um, than they were feeling when they first came in. So, I mean, it's not always going to necessarily be possible, but it's always my goal when I'm teaching.
So always ending with that element of gratitude is a great way to do that. And it's a great way to empower our students to be grateful for their bodies, to be grateful for themselves and to love uh, their bodies and themselves. Definitely. I think, um, yeah, just be gentle with yourself, <laughs> be kind to yourself. And um, yeah, I think as a teacher, it's also important to note that the majority of people that walk through the classroom, like we're I keep calling a classroom a dance studio. <laughs> um, it's important to note that they're more likely to have come across your class because they thought it was a fun thing to do, not because they want to make a career out of it. Mm. And um, I think it's important to to not lose that fun part and also still remind them to be to be gentle to themselves, to be accepting, and and like you mentioned, um, yeah, it's it's just important to note that there's like more or less the people that have ended up becoming professionals it's just because they just just loved it so much and um it's not necessarily like them to take it that seriously when they come in through the class it's still supposed to be something fun so to make sure that they don't lose that fun and that perspective as well and i think even even for us you know that do do it professionally it's still important not to lose that that perspective Mm -hmm. like you know, it's great. It's like not that we shouldn't have high standards for ourselves because, you know, absolutely we should we should have high standards. But mm-hmm. it's it's like that difference. It's it's a difference in in how you feel. You know, it's like the difference between having a high standard where you're just constantly judging yourself for falling mm-hmm. short versus having a high standard and, and just treating yourself kindly as you grow and allowing yourself that room to grow. Um, it's again that that same thing about climbing that mountain. You know whether you want to carry the hundred pound rock on your back, or drop the rock, drop the weight, and just climb the mountain. Um, so and it applies. You know whether you're a student or or whether you're a professional. So yeah, it's very important. And also, really important too as a teacher to never lose sight of of what it is like, like to be a beginner. You know, and to be doing this just for fun and and without a, a professional goal. You know, like maybe even take classes in something else that mm-hmm. was totally out of your comfort zone where you're like you're a total beginner and you're really bad at it like I, I took um a, a few years of boxing and it's like the it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my <laughs> life to try boxing and it just really really reminded me of what it's like to be a beginner at something that is not natural to me um, and it, it it gives you a lot of empathy, you know, for your students. It, it's important to have that empathy to not um, you, you can't expect your you know your students to um, to be perfect. You can't expect anybody to be perfect. You can't expect yourself to be perfect. Um, and so to have that empathy and to be aware of what it is that they're going through, how uncomfortable it might be for them to um, to be learning those steps, how much they might be challenged by them and have, um, and to, to be able to teach from that awareness is very helpful and, and helps to empower them as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. So we went through 12 very important steps. Do you want to do a quick summary of, of, of what you think? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I'm going to so um, try to do a super brief, uh, summary of the, the 12, uh, kind of steps, um, that I found to be the most empowering towards women in my class. And of course, these are empowering, really. It's not just for women. It's, it will empower any student, but you know, of course the the focus here is, is more around women because we tend to have these very heavy 
toxic internalized um, ideas of what we should be, what our bodies mm-hmm. should look like and should do. So, um, so the, the steps were, um, first of all, to, to work on yourself. So everything starts with you. So make sure that you're coming from a genuine place. The second step is to see the highest potential in every student so that you can help them see it in themselves. Uh, number three is to get comfortable around taboo topics of woman of womanhood, like um, period, pregnancy, birth, motherhood, etc. Uh, number four is to fall in love with the magic of womanhood and to be able to relay our abilities as women in superhuman terms. Number five is to talk about our own experiences um, in life and and to be able to relay that to our students. Um, Number six is to talk about our own journey in dance as well, so that it gives them perspective um, as to where we started, so that they're not just, you know, expecting to be able to move like us right away. Um, Number seven is to remind our students not to compare themselves to to us or to, to their classmates or to anybody. Number eight, to remind um, our students always to appreciate where they're at today and not just be rushing to get to the, to, to the you know, whatever their end goal is. Um, number nine, to be able to tie in advanced lessons with life lessons. Uh, number 10, to ask what's going on, uh, to, to be aware of what's going on in, in, um, in our students' lives and celebrate their achievements. Number 11 is to add positive affirmations to the class. And number 12, to add gratitude uh, for the students and help them find gratitude for themselves and their bodies. Add that element to, to our classes as well. Thank you so much. And by the way, if there was any man that was listening to this episode, this isn't a, a men ain't shit episode. <laughs> it's just women have it hard. <laughs> this is just a way um, to empower other women through belly dance. It's not meant to um, to say men suck or anything like that. But Absolutely, yeah. 100%. And I mean, I, I, I've, I, I have male students as well. Of course, they're not as common as female students. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're, there's no element of like excluding men mm-hmm. in any way in my classes. Um, so that's important to know as well. I just, this is a topic that's so important for women to talk about, mm-hmm. not to, you know, not to exclude men. Cause there's a lot of these points that apply to men as well. Mm-hmm. Most of them actually apply to men as well. Um, and also not to exclude either, you know, anybody that's transgender or that's gender mm-hmm. fluid or gender neutral. So, you know, just take whatever is helpful to you and, and leave whatever isn't, um, so this is, you know, I, I want to target women for sure, but without excluding other people as mm-hmm. well. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote and where do you want people to find you, Yami? Oh, sure. So um, people can find uh, find me through my website, sharkydance.com. So that's spelled S-H-A-R-Q-I dance.com. That's the website for, for my classes. I teach classes. If you're in New Jersey, I teach uh, regular weekly group classes in New Jersey. And I also teach private classes all over the state. I go to people's houses or they can come to my studio for private classes. 
Um, so you can find out more information about that on sharkydance.com. Um, you can also find Sharky Dance on Facebook. The Facebook page is slash Sharky Dance Belly Dance. And uh, on Instagram, it's at Sharky Dance. So again, that's spelled S-H-A-R-Q-I Dance. And I also have my personal Instagram, which, you know, I share a lot of my dance videos and things like that. So that's at Yame Yame Yame. So that's spelled Y-A-M-E three times. So, um, yeah, SharkyDance.com, Sharky Dance Belly Dance on Facebook, at Sharky Dance on Instagram, and at Yame 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 on Instagram. And if you're not local to New Jersey, I do also teach private classes online. So it doesn't matter where you're at. If you have a decent uh, internet connection with uh, some kind of uh, video conferencing tool that we can use, I teach private classes online as well. So I do have students all over the world. So if you're interested in learning from me, definitely check out my website and get in touch. Or you can email me also at yame at sharkydance.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing this wonderful topic, which I think is super important, not just in belly dance, but because we're belly dancers, obviously this is how we, how we can make the most um, impact to our students in the dance studio. But I'm, I'm glad the world is catching up and I'm glad that dance teachers like yourself are incorporating this into their dance studio. So thank you so much for sharing your insight. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. This is, you know, I feel like there's finally like a revolution that's happening or about to happen with women taking back their power, um, both as individuals and in, in communities together with each other. Uh, we're ready. I think the world is ready. The world needs us. Um, and, and it's up to us, you know, whether you're a belly dance teacher, whatever it is, whatever your role is, your career, your, your hobbies, whatever you do, you get to be, play a role in this, in this revolution. And if you're a belly dance teacher, it's something that you, you can incorporate into your classes. So figure out what role you want to play and then integrate it into your teaching and into your life. Um, and thank you so much, Jana, for the amazing work that you do, for all the information that you were putting out there. This is like all awesome stuff. I wish this podcast existed, you know, 13 years ago when I was starting out as well. So thank you so much for putting this out there. And thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. Anytime. So thank you so much. And thanks for you guys listening. And see you guys again next week. Bye.